0: Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton pod. Um, just we know we normally talk about some things here at the beginning, but uh, we just want to run through some of the things that we have going on at Campus to Canton uh, since we, there's still a lot of that stuff going on here. So, just a reminder: the Devi Debate crew is going to be calling the Bama Spring Game on Saturday with Austin doing the play-by-play. So if you want to hear some of that, because uh, I know I want to listen to Austin do play-by-play, definitely tune in to that. Um, we also have the Travis ETN Jersey giveaway, which we are officially going to give away live on Sunday. Uh, so Saturday this week is going to be your last day to get reviews in. T- two days left. Uh, so please get those into us. Uh, you can send them to me at c 2 Decker, You can send them to Austin at Debbie Dietz. Uh, you can send them to the at Campus2Canton um, Twitter account. You can also send them to Campus2Canton to at gmail.com. Uh, any way that you want to get them over to us, uh, get them over to us here. We're going to compile that list uh, and then give that away live Sunday. Uh, the following day, Monday, we got the Wide Receiver Ranking Summit with the whole C2C crew uh, plus our new edition who we will be announcing on the show. Uh, that's going to be live, so don't forget about that one. Um, we also uh the following week uh we on the campus life we have the chasing the natty guys um jared and xavier you're gonna be joining the show we're gonna be talking a lot of cff stuff here and then on thursday and friday we have our nfl draft coverage live for day one and two of the draft uh, we have some really really exciting guests coming on here um and you know you're definitely going to want to tune into this. Um, I I can't give away exactly who they are yet. I've been sworn to secrecy, but you're definitely not going to want to miss them. There's some pretty big names on there. Um, so, Austin, anything else that I missed there?
1: No, I think that's everything that we've got coming up in April. Um, the next month is just as booked, but baby steps. So we don't we don't want to hit people with too much stuff. So that that is the rest of April.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, so after that, we'll uh, we'll just dive right into some news here. Um, we have James Conner getting signed to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, Austin, does this change his value at all for you? You're muted.
1: Um, I'll be honest. I play Dynasty a little bit like a caveman. If you're below a certain point in my rankings... I don't really bump you that much if something happens over the offseason. Obviously, if it's like a huge opportunity change, I will. But I don't think this does anything for Connor or Edmonds, for that matter. I don't think this moves them at all. At this point, you're just praying that one of them one gets hurt, the other one takes his spot. You know, and for a lot of these guys, that's all you're hoping for. So at the end of the day, you know, you just snag whichever one's fall a little bit and then, you know, you're never hoping anybody gets hurt, but if an injury happens, you just hope it's the guy that you're, you know, holding the handcuff for. So this doesn't impact his value for me at all because I don't think he would have crushed it in Pittsburgh. If he went back, I don't think he's going to crush it in Arizona. I didn't think Edmonds was going to be a bell cow. This probably means they're not going to draft somebody early. I think that's the only real takeaway is that you're not really projecting any of these rookies uh, there, at least not the early a couple of guys so and after that like we've been everybody's been saying after this first three we don't really care so it's, it's a whole lot of like I don't really care about this guy I don't really care about this guy it's uh, it's just that point in the offseason man I need I need the draft I need something to happen so I can <laughs> so something can, something can change
0: yeah and no, I agree with you. it doesn't really move the needle at all for me for Connor um, I'm pretty much out on him there Um, Does this have any impact on Edmonds for you at all? I know you said that you didn't think he was going to be a bell cow anyway. Does this help him now that it kind of protects him from a a running back coming in in the draft?
1: No. I mean, I guess the only way you would say it is if you – If they had drafted Najee Harris, you know, maybe that nuked his value even more. But Arizona, I know, oh, man, I forget. Somebody on Twitter today or yesterday did this really cool breakdown where they went through every team's rushing tendencies last year and looked at, you know, how teams split goal line carries and, you know, receiving snaps and things like that and kind of broke down if there's actually as much of a difference as people think that there is. And Arizona was one of the teams that they actually kind of split up the carries – based city situationally. So I don't think Edmonds was ever going to be a bell cow. I don't think he was ever going to get goal line carries. I don't, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I just don't think Edmonds was ever going to see in that offense. So Connor doesn't do anything for me. And even if they had taken a guy like Najee with that information in mind, I'm not sure that they would have, that that would have changed anything for for him either way. I, I think he's locked into a role the only way that his role increases is if Connor would get hurt. And even then I'm not sure that they like him enough to just rely on him as the guy.
0: Yeah, that's no, that's a lot of good points there. I mean, I think it helps Edmonds a little bit for me. Um, just because like I said, it, it kind of protects him from getting having a rookie come in that we actually might like. Like, you know, one of the top three, or, you know, even even if like they had taken a guy like Kenny Gainwell, um, you know, I think that would have hurt Edmund's stock. So, I think with Connor coming in there, that kind of insulates him a little bit. Um, so, I think he could still be in a decent flex play from you know, especially in a PPR format. Uh, especially, and then you know, Connor does have some an injury history there, so you know that he could see an uptick in work at that point. So, he doesn't move up in my rankings, but he doesn't fall in my rankings. I think this solidly keeps him where he's at.
1: Yeah, there wasn't a spot anywhere that I don't that I think would have made me think so much more highly of James Conner, you know. Like I, I look across the landscape of the league, there weren't. There's not a lot of blatant running back openings. Pittsburgh's probably the only one, and we've already seen what he does there. And the line isn't going to be any better next year. So, at least I, I, don't think it's going to be. We'll see what they do in the draft here. But, um, so yeah, I don't think there was a situation that I was super enthused about uh, james connor
0: going to yeah i agree there too i think connor's kind of done um i mean there's some instant impact offensive linemen though in the draft so if the steelers do snag one of them round one maybe double dip round one and two i think they could have a pretty quick turnaround on that whole line
1: let me just tell you right now i think on that draft um show on day one you me and felix are going to be not very happy and we're all going to have to just sit there together and kind of commiserate <laughs> just from what I'm hearing coming out of some of these camps and stuff with Detroit and what the, some of the picks they're looking at in yeah. Pittsburgh. It's oh, I, I can't believe that we'd actually take Najee Harris there, but if you just look at how things are unfolding, it's starting to look more likely than I would like it to look. And then the Falcons, I mean, you've already said what you would want them to do, and there are a lot of scenarios where it. they don't do that. Yeah, so I, there's a very real chance by about mm, nine thirty, ten o'clock on uh, Thursday night that, that you, me, and Felix need to go and uh, just have a little safe space <laughs> for a few minutes and and
0: unwind. Yeah, I think – I think you're right, unfortunately. I know what I want the Falcons to do. I, I'm starting to think less and less that that's what they're going to do. But if they stick at four, I don't know who they're taking. Like, I mean, we could take Penny Sewell, but Jake Matthews is is a solid left tackle. He's not amazing, but he's solid. We just took Chris Lindstrom two years ago at right tackle. So it's not like we have anywhere to put him. We took Caleb McGarry at right guard the same year. Um, we took Alex Hennessy. Or not, Alex Matt Hennessy to replace Alex Mack at center. We took him last year, so we've invested pretty significant capital in the O line the past couple of years here. So I don't think they go O line. If they take Kyle Pitts, then you, you, I'm going to lose it live on air. Um, but he's a he's a blue chip bro. You always take the
1: blue chip first, even though if it's a position that just you don't need and it's important and nobody ever wants, you totally take that with the top five pick, dude. Man, if I had a nickel I, for every time I've heard that over the past week drives me nuts
0: yeah I mean okay so I agree I think Pitts is a blue chip prospect but you don't take a tight end in the top five like they I, I don't I would take Tra- if, if all said and done if I knew exactly what Travis Kelsey was going to be I would probably take him in the top five and that's it Kittle no I mean he's really good but I'm not taking him in the top five because he's a tight end. I don't really think, I don't think it matters that much. And especially with you, when you see all of the guys who can convert from other positions into tight ends, it takes a little bit of time, but you know, you can, you can kind of make a tight end. So you're trying to tell me that Eric Ebron was a bad top 10 selection. Yes. How dare you, sir? <laughs> How dare you? You talk about upsetting uh, you and Felix. There you go. Detroit to Pittsburgh
1: we were talking about that last night after the show or before the show and I, I said it and the look in Felix's eye as I said it like it was it was like he, he was a war you know survivor and he went back to a bad place for
0: for a split second you could really see it in, in his eyes um, yeah well we got pretty off the rails there on talk going from James Connor but uh, we'll move into the uh, into the next news here, and that is Julian Edelman's retirement. Um, you know, he he retires after a a, a good career, uh, multiple Super Bowls there in, in New England. Um, you know, Gronk says he thinks Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I don't know how much you know stock we put in what Gronk says, but what are what are your thoughts on that? Do you have do you think he has any shot?
1: He shouldn't be allowed within a thousand yard radius of Kansas. The, the town or the city
0: <laughs> let alone
1: the the hall of fame no no he's not a hall of famer what are you talking about if your best argument for a guy is that he played a shit ton of postseason games on a loaded patriots team and he compiled a shit ton of stats that's your best argument for why somebody belongs in the hall of fame when they have like 600 career catches no 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 what are we doing honestly like i'm i'm not a. Uh, I'm definitely not a big hall guy, but I'm not like a, you know, rope it off and only, you know, Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson, like those kind of guys get in. But Julian Edelman doesn't even belong in the same paragraph as those guys. He really doesn't. (laughs) And I hate the argument where you can't tell the story of the NFL without Julian Edelman. I mean, you can't tell the story of the NFL without a lot of guys that sucked. So, I mean, David Tyree if that's the route you want to take. So, no, he's not a Hall of
0: Famer. No, I I completely agree with you. I just, I kind of wanted to see what you would say there. I figured I'd get your route up a little bit. Um, Yeah, no, I totally agree. He's he's not even close. Uh, And I don't think anybody really besides Gronk is actually saying that. I really haven't seen that anywhere else. Um, You know, especially, I don't think Wes Welker deserves to be in the Hall of Fame either, but I think Wes Welker would deserve to be in over Edelman would.
1: Yes, because Welker, without Wes Welker, I'm not sure there is a Julian Edelman.
0: No, yeah. Like
1: Welker really, you know, if you want to talk about contributors or changing the game or whatever, Welker did that. And I think he was a more dynamic player than Julian Edelman was. And I actually will give Julian Edelman all the credit in the world for being, you know, thought of as nothing coming out of college as a quarterback from Kent State and making a name as Tom Brady's wide receiver one for for several years. I think that's an amazing story. I don't want people to think that I you know, don't respect Julian Edelman or what he did throughout his career. And is he the one that did the Rex Ryan foot joke thing? I think so. I think that was him. So, I mean, that's a great soundbite. I'll, <laughs> I'll give him that too. Um, I just don't, I, I, I don't see how you could put him close. And if like, I know he has all of those postseason um, uh, receiving, oh wait, let me just make sure that this actually set to the correct thing. So this is okay. So I, if you look at receiving yards, he's second in NFL history. But if you look at receiving yards per game, he's like not even close. <laughs> like I'm just like going down the list, and he's not even close. Um, so no, he's not even in the top thirty. So congrats, you're a compiler. You're the Frank Gore of off season or of postseason wide receivers. <laughs> I think that's an insult to Frank Gore. It's an insult to both. Neither <laughs> belong in the Hall of Fame. But at least Frank Gore has some regular season compiling done. Uh,
0: so we'll move off the Hall of Fame talk there. I uh, you know, Like I said, I don't think I, I want to that. offend more fan bases.
1: No, let's keep <laughs> talking about it.
0: Well, here, maybe this will give you a chance. Uh, if Tom Brady asks him to come out of retirement, do you think he comes out of retirement like Gronk did?
1: Maybe I honestly don't know because I do think he's legitimately retiring because he doesn't think he can play anymore.
0: I think that has a part of it too. Like
1: I think Gronk was almost just bored of professional football, <laughs> and now maybe he did need uh, some uh, some time to heal himself up a little bit. But I don't know. I that is almost what it always felt like to me with Gronk. Like he just wanted to go do some other stuff, and then he realized that the other stuff wasn't as fulfilling as football or or whatever, so he came back. I'm not sure I get that sense with Edelman. I think he's just done. And beyond that, like, I don't think he's like the fourth best receiver on that team. If you would go there. (laughs) And I don't even mean that as an insult. He's worse than Mike Evans at this point. His career is worse than Chris Godwin. And to be on, well, he'd be below Gronk on the totem pole. And then below that, you know, you have to factor in that they just signed Gio Bernard. He's going to catch some passes this year. And I would honestly, at this point in their careers, rather have uh, Tyler Johnson, who I don't even I love agree. that much, but you have to figure that he probably takes a little bit of a step this year. So I don't know what his place would be on that roster at all, besides yeah. just there to piggyback and get another ring, which I guess is fine, but I, I wouldn't knock somebody if you're doing that. But at the end of the
0: day, you know, Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, next news bit here, we got Thaddeus Moss signing with the Bengals, uh, reuniting with Joe Burrow. Uh, their tight end situation is, I mean, they have Drew Sample, but I mean, I don't really think Drew Sample excites anybody. Uh, you know, is, is Thaddeus Moss interesting to you for a stash at all? I mean, I know you're not picking him up. Uh, you're, you're not buying him anywhere. I'm assuming he's free in pretty much every league. Uh, Is he somebody you're interested in stashing at all?
1: No, because I already have him stashed. Just kidding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say where?
1: (laughs) Um, No, I just don't think he's an NFL level athlete. I'm trying to look up real quick what he did at the combine last year because I kind of like his game, but his athleticism, I feel like to be a beast at tight end, people talk about it all the time. You have Oh, he didn't do the combine because he had the Jones fracture. He may have done a pro day. Regardless, I just I just don't think he is an NFL class athlete for the position. So I'm going to say no, he doesn't intrigue me at all. And like at least with sample, he is a pretty solid athlete. He can't play football worth the crap, but he's at least a solid athlete. So
0: fair enough. Yeah, I mean like I like his connection with Burrow. Um, if and you know tight end such a wasteland. If I have a roster spot, I'll I'll pick him up. You know I'll see what happens. Um, I'm not picking him up expecting anything good to happen, but you know I'm not cutting anybody that I actually like to pick him up. Just if I have a roster spot, you know I'll, I'll stash him. I think there's you know a lot of less interesting people on some rosters out there, so you could pick him up, see what happens, but. No, would be there for the most part.
1: There are a couple of um, like metrics that tight ends need to hit, just generally to be successful in the NFL. And I know he didn't have he had that Jones fracture, so he didn't do a lot of the um, athletic measurements. But I think the four are you have to be like six two or six three, and I'm pretty sure he hits that. But then he you have to run a faster than like a four seven or a four seven five or something. Do we think he would have done that? I don't think he would have done that you have to have a vert of like 32 or 33 inches. I don't think he would have done that either. So uh, there's one other one too, another jump maybe. Um, but I, I just Rod don't jump. think any of his, yes, but I don't think any of his explosion scores or anything would have been good. So I, yeah, I just don't think if you look at it from that standpoint, tight end is all about the the athletic ability. I don't think he checks any of those boxes.
0: Yeah. I, I think he may, he probably could have gotten close to like a four-seven-five forty. 40, I think. Um, but I don't think any of the explosion he would have gotten even close for. Uh, I don't think he's an explosive athlete. But I think he's I think he's a, a good in a straight line. So I think he probably could have gotten close to four seven five. But we'll never know. Um, but we'll move off of him and into some more tight end news, uh, and that is the Washington Football Team times signs Samis Reyes from the international player program. Um, Simis Reyes is a former basketball player. I uh, played at Tulane. Um, and he also played some for the Chilean national team. And he is now the first NFL player of Chilean descent. Uh, but beyond that, uh, he also has just a really cool backstory. Uh, you know, he came to the U S at the age of 14 on his own, He didn't speak any English. His parents are still in Chile. Um, uh, you know, he came over here to play basketball pretty much, you know, he was part of the international AAU circuit. Uh, They liked what they saw. So they, you know, try to get him over here. Um, So, you know, being on your own at the age of 14 in a country, you don't even speak English. You know, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, You know, didn't really do a whole lot in college playing basketball. So now he's kind of going in a different direction. Um, You know, he was kind of trying to figure out what he wanted to do after graduating. He was training kids in basketball and working for DoorDash. Um, but he did graduate with a business degree and he was one class short of a double major in finance. which I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but, you know, when he was doing all that after school, he, he joined the international player program and trained at IMG Academy in Florida for 10 weeks. And they said he was the only player there who was wearing full pads. Um, you know, he wanted to go all out. And did, he wanted. Did he just to, like show up in the morning with his pads on, <laughs> like get I, out of I his car? So. <laughs> I hope. So. I, I'm trying. I'm picturing him driving with his pads on. Too. That's what I'm picturing. Like everything.
1: <laughs> like he's in the shower in the morning. You know, like the water's just hitting him. He's got his pads on. <laughs> like it's one of those. Um, oh, what's it like a? What's it called? It's like a, a bunch of different videos like clipped together. A montage. montage? It's like a montage yeah. of like him throughout his entire day. He just has the pads <laughs> on.
0: Uh, yeah, but he reportedly wanted to wear the pads to, to get like the full experience there. Cause he'd never played football before. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I necessarily know how interested we are in him in fantasy, but you know, you're talking about some of those metrics you're looking for, for tight ends. And I think he's going to check those boxes for you. At least, uh, he's six six two two sixty four. Uh, he had a 40 inch vertical jump and ran a four, six, five 40. And he was did all of this and working out at the Florida Pro Day, and he reportedly he looked really good there. And you know you have to look really good at a Pro Day to get signed when you're working out at a Pro Day that it really isn't even yours. Like they just kind of bring in some bodies, um, and they had some of the international player program guys at that Pro Day. That was kind of like an agreement that they had reached. Um, so that's kind of why he was there. But he was also more just kind of you know catching some passes. So that, and that kind of stuff, but he, he impressed enough scouts uh, that Washington felt like they needed to sign him pretty much right after that. Uh, and Logan Thomas reportedly has already reached out, you know, kind of wanted to work with him. Um, so I don't know if there's, you know, anything here fantasy wise, but this was just a cool story that I wanted to discuss.
1: Yeah, it is really, really cool beyond just, you know, <laughs> making fun of the, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um I, he big athletic guy i mean that you could do a lot worse you could pick up (laughs) Thaddeus (laughs) Moss. so um yeah i I don't really have anything to add about it um it's a cool story maybe i'll take him i'm gonna start up right now maybe i'll take him like the 34th round
0: yeah and he's 25 years old so it's not like he's like super old he's obviously not young but you know not super old so i don't know we'll we'll see what happens maybe he learns a position maybe he catches some passes here and there uh, I, I, it's just like I said, a good story. Something I wanted to to just talk, talk about a little bit there, because um, it's not something you hear about every day.
1: Have any of those international guys done anything yet? Like getting uh, signed to that program? Because there there was some hype around that guy from Germany a couple years ago. Yeah, um, Moritz, he didn't. Yeah, Moritz O-Ringer. Yeah, um, there's been a couple of guys. You know, mostly rugby guys, I think at this point is is mostly who they picked up. But I haven't heard of any success stories out of it yet. So maybe this will be the first guy there's going to be somebody eventually it becomes really good. And then that, that whole thing is good. to people are going to be all over it and it's still worthless, but like one guy came out of it. So everybody loves it. So I, I kind of dreading the day that somebody actually good comes out of that program.
0: Uh, there was, I was listening to an interview, uh, with Scott Pioli because Scott Pioli does a lot with that, uh, international player program. Um, and he mentioned one guy and I cannot remember what his name was now. Um, Oh, um, Jordan um, Milata, Milata, I think is his last name. That, that uh, agent? He's, no, he plays for the Eagles. He's an offensive lineman. Oh, Okay. Um, he was from Australia. Mike. Yeah, um, uh, he was a yeah. He was um the he was the one who came from there. Um. Yeah, he was also a rugby player. So you're right. Um. Yeah, he got. Yeah. So he went through that program there and got picked up and he started some games there for the Eagles. So that's, but I think that's really the only player that's actually had any success through there yet, but you know, maybe someday, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll move off of the news here and we'll move into a little bit of a continuation from last episode when we kind of ran out of time. Uh, and that is a little bit of our rankings debate. So we, we updated our rankings uh, a little while ago and there were just some. Some guys that stood out as different in our rankings. Last week, we did quarterback. The only real difference there um, were uh, Tua, who I had at 11 and you had at 22, and Justin Herbert, who you had at 7 and I had at 12. Um, so we'll move into the running back here this week. And the first one here is Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick Chubb, I have him at ranked at 13 and you have him ranked at seven. Um, so I'll kick this one over to you at first. Why Why do you have Nick Chubb ranked in your top ten?
1: Why don't you have Nick Chubb ranked in your top ten? <laughs> I'll turn it <you> right back <laughs> around on you.
0: Who's driving this bus?
1: Oh, good point. So um, <laughs> my my big thing with Nick Chubb is I think people make more of the split backfield than there actually is because I don't think that they're going to increase their passing volume that much. It might go up a little bit depending on how Baker develops here, but I think with uh, Stefanski and everything there, that the rushing upside there for the offense is pretty locked in. And when he uh, he played, I'm pretty sure every game that he played that year is with Kareem Hunt. He still put up in half PPR five. Like I'm I'm rounding so like you know five point one is five you know so on just so I'm not so five yeah. twenty five twenty three four. 19, 11, 25, 17, 23, 14, 15, 17. He had a really good year sharing a backfield in PPR or half PPR. He was RB 11 last year. He's still relatively young. He's 25. He's kind of in his prime years. We know that he can do it. He's probably in terms of just being a running back, the best running back in the NFL. Oh, In my, in my opinion. You know, there are guys that are a little more athletic. There are guys that maybe are in situations where they get the ball more like a CMC. So I'm not saying for fantasy purposes, he is the best running back, but just purely being a running back, I think he's the best in the NFL. So he is falling really far. I'm in a draft right now. And I think he went after a lot of running backs that in my opinion, you probably shouldn't have. Um, I'd rather have him over Aaron Jones, who's a guy that we're going to talk about here next. there's a lot of guys like in that range that are very, you know, maybe you get one better year out of Aaron Jones and you would get out of Nick Chubb. But I think you're going to get three more years out of Nick Chubb that were just like the one last year. And he missed four games and he still put up uh, in standard. He was RB nine and half PPR was RB 11. And the year before that he was, it was six and eight. So I, I don't, I I don't, I see people fading him already. I still think he has a few years left.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like Nick Chubb. Um, I don't know if I would have said he was the best running back, pure running back in the NFL. That was, that's an interesting take. Um, I don't think that's who, one. Of those who would I really you hurt. say? Who would you say? Man, I haven't even had it even really given it that much thought.
1: Are you even a football podcaster? If that doesn't, <laughs> if that question doesn't keep you up at night,
0: <laughs> uh, fair, fair. Um, If you were talking best, pure running back in the league, I mean, I yeah, I think he's definitely up there um because like you mentioned with cmc he does a lot more stuff in the passing game so i don't really uh, but i don't really think he's a better runner than chubb um saquon barkley definitely a better athlete i uh, don't think he's a better pure running back um kamara same story maybe dalvin cook um you could argue dalvin in, yeah and i would think he in.
1: Elliot before last year would have probably been in that argument, but I don't think he's on the level of runner that Chubb is personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I I would still keep Elliot probably in that conversation. So I think, yeah, I think the conversation is, would be cook Chubb Elliot for me um, as far as like best pure running backs in the league there. Um, But that's an interesting, yeah. Interesting comment there. It's not really one that I had thought about before, but um the reason I have Nick Chubb a little bit lower is, is what you touched on before, and that's that's that running back split. Um, you know, just last year, uh, Kareem Hunt had 51.8% of the running back snaps, and Nick Chubb had 49.8. Um now Nick Chubb did only play 12 games. Um so you know that that I think that Nick Chubb's percentage would be a little bit higher, and they would probably you know they'd probably be flipped. You know, maybe Chubb gets up to 52 to 53 percent
1: he missed a lot of that that game four too where he got injured against dallas he only played 18 percent of the snaps so he almost missed five games
0: true um but yeah either way it's it's a pretty even split i mean i think we can comfortably say 55 45 chubb is, is that fair
1: yeah i i suppose yes yes i would say that's fair
0: all right, so But we're, we're saying 55-45 Chubb to Hunt, roughly. So at that point, I think that just limits his ceiling. I think that's what it kind of comes down to to me. Um, and I mean, I'm not putting a lot of stock in that injury last year. I'm not going to call him injury prone or anything like that. Um, I think there were certainly people out there who might, given his past and given what happened in college and everything like that. But that's not an argument that I'm going to make for that. Um, so I'm not saying that's a factor here, although his style of play would lend him to getting banged up and bumped and bruised a little bit more often. Um, I think, you know, he has a higher chance of missing a game here, you know, a game there. than I think hunt would and hunt last year. You know, he did play all of the games. Um, You know, he was the RB 10 on the air. So, and he signed a two year deal uh, two year extension last year so uh, you know he's he's not like he's going away anytime soon so I think just given the split um I think that that is that's why I have him a little bit lower uh, although you know taking a look here you know I don't know maybe maybe the next update he bumps up a spot or two you know he made a compelling argument
1: the only like I, I look at the rankings and I do think you know after so i have i have McCaffrey one, Saquon two, JT three, Kamara four, Swift five, Dobbin six. And then I do think there are a lot of guys that you can argue for. You know, I see a lot of people putting Cam Akers ahead of him. I like cam Akers. He was my RB three in last year's class. I think he's a good player. He's not proven anything near what Nick Chubb has. The only upside he'd have over him is, is a snap share and touches argument. And I think we've seen Chubb be so otherworldly efficient with touches that, that doesn't necessarily move the needle for me. Then I have Dalvin cook. So he's another guy. I think cook and Chubb are really close together in terms of what I think of them. Um, and then, and then after that, it's like a bunch of guys that have a lot of question marks, you know, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, Najee, C.E.H., Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, who we're just waiting for his <laughs> legs to, you know, for his legs to just fall off one time. Well, so it's partially like, I really like Nick Chubb and like, and there's just nobody else that in my opinion is, is safe as he is and once you get past the first five or six guys that are just obvious can do it all I'm just not sure there's another guy that I like on his level besides like I said Dalvin Cook who I like him and I just and this is probably a really bad argument I didn't look into this at all but Dalvin Cook just always seems like I'm worried about him being hurt I don't really know why that is he just always seemed like that kind of guy uh, whereas I don't necessarily always have that concern um, with Nick
0: Chubb well, I think that transitions pretty well into into Dalvin Cook, who is yeah. on this list uh, of guys that we have a little bit of a discrepancy in in their rankings. um I have him as my fourth running back overall. um you have him as your ninth. so still in your top ten. Um, it's not like a huge drastic difference there for us. it's five spots, but you know when we're when we're talking about guys in the top ten, that's you know that's that's a little bit significant there. So uh, I understand what you're saying too with Cook being, you know, just giving off the impression of, of being injured. And I think a lot of that has to do with last year, um, in in twenty nineteen, um he missed those two games at the end of the year. He was banged up uh this year, he missed two games this year. Um and then twenty eighteen, you know, he, he got hurt and he missed pretty much the entire year. So he Did does
1: He only played four games in 2017, too. Okay. So I feel I feel slightly better about that opinion here. (laughs) At least I'm looking at his game log. Is that it looks like he played what games one, two, three, four, and didn't play anything else? In 2017. Yeah. I don't
0: remember 2017, I'm gonna be completely honest. But I don't either. And then he played four games in 2018. Um so yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a little bit of an injury history there with him. He gets a little bit banged up, but I mean, he's you know, he finishes the RB two last year. And he finishes the RB six the year before that. And he only played 14 games and, and finished as the RB six in 2019. Um, so, you know, he's got a very high ceiling. He's going to be in the exact same situation. You know, it's comfortable. We know what we're getting with him. There's no change there. Uh, he's the guy. There's nobody else competing with him for touches, uh, which, you know, maybe that could hurt. Maybe that's part of why he's getting hurt. Cause you know, he, he does get a lot of carries, Um, but you know, I, I think that he's just a very safe running back and I just, I'm comfortable with him because I know exactly what I'm going to get with that situation. And, you know, maybe he does only play 14 games a year. Maybe he's kind of like, like Nick Chubb. Like I could see that kind of being their thing where they settle into 14 games a year. But, you know, I think Dalvin Cook's a little bit safer there. And so that's why I do have him a little bit higher.
1: I will say I made a big Dalvin Cook trade in a C2C last year and a team that was win now. And I needed another running back because my running backs weren't producing. And this tells you what I think of Dalvin, because I still go back and forth on whether I like this trade or not. And that's, I I think it's like this completely even trade on a win now roster. I had, I traded um, Marvin Mims, uh, Deandre Swift and Cam Akers for Dalvin cook and DJ Wiggle lately.
0: Man. I'm um, super flex. I'm assuming. Uh-huh. So yeah, my, quarterback,
1: my quarterback pipeline was to put it kindly non-existent,
0: man, that's, that's tough. Um, cause you gave up a lot of good pieces there, but you also got back to really good pieces too. So I think that's pretty even, I think yeah. with it being win now, uh, you know, getting Cook and getting some potential for the future in DJU was was a good move there. Um, so how did that end up? Did you end up, you said you were win now. I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> I I, did, I swear I did not know the answer to that before I asked.
1: I, uh, I didn't win any leagues last year. It was a bummer. Um, that team is still pretty locked and loaded for the coming year, though. Um, it, it, it's a pretty strong NFL team. Um, the college side needs some TLC. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I made a little bit of a push. Um, I ended up like I had Galladay out. I had Kim Newton that went down and it just, I had too many entries at the end of the season. Um, but that that's what I think of Dalvin cook in terms of his, his ability. I think, you know, if you're, if I'm a win now team, I'm willing to pay a hefty price to get him. Cause I do, I do really like him. And I think he's going to a uh, barring injury. He's going to smash this year and probably smash the following year. I'm just not sure he's a guy that plays till he's 30.
0: You know he I don't know if he has that much in him, but we'll see, yeah, well, I mean he's he's twenty five so same same age as Chubb, um you know they're both twenty five they're both second contract guys, so uh, or Chub, or no, Chub, Chub's,
1: Chub's carries though, so he he's gonna be preserved in the future, and Dalvin doesn't
0: hey we'll we'll burn bright and we'll burn out quick., it's hey, uh, one <laughs> way to do it um so we'll we'll move into the last running back here we have um and that is aaron jones Uh, he's a guy i have as my ninth rated rb and you have as your 14th rated rb uh now he does come back to green bay here so i think that's a pretty big boon for his value i think if he had gone anywhere else um i would have been pretty pretty concerned about his value Uh, but with him going back to green bay i like that a lot um, now you did have an interesting nugget that I didn't really realize um, before, and I don't remember if you said this last episode or the episode before that. Um, we I, we talked about it before, pre pre show.
1: It wasn't even on the
0: show. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you drop that nugget here then, if 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 you're ready for it. Oh, so yeah. I don't, no, I, it.
1: I don't think it's anything earth shattering. So he basically only signed a two year two year deal with Green Bay. People see four years, but there's an out after two. His cap hit after that is like twenty million. They ain't going to keep him beyond that unless the cap doubles. So he basically has two years there in Green Bay, which he did bump up a spot or two for me because I I thought he was going to leave, and I I, I just didn't think he was going to be very valuable elsewhere. So he'll he'll score a bunch of points. It's just this is the when you're doing these kind of rankings, you can't always capture some of this nuance because it really is, is team dependent. But in a vacuum. I would rather take Antonio Gibson and think that he has a couple more years left in him or a guy like that over an Aaron Jones who has one year, two years max. And then he's going to be irrelevant unless he goes, you know, I, I don't know what other kind of, maybe, you know, if he goes to Arizona and Kyler continues to tear it up and they, he goes there and can fill the same role, you know, maybe a hail Mary like that brings him back from the dead, but I think he's two years and done. So, and everybody knows it. Yeah, no, well, so if you don't move him soon, you're not getting a return on him.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like I said, you know, burn bright, burn out fast. Um, you know, he was the RB2 in 2019, he was the RB5 last year. Um, I think it's safe to say that he's probably going to have another top five RB year in him this year, wouldn't you say?
1: Likely, yeah, unless he gets hurt. I don't, I think you can pretty much pencil him in there as a top five guy in this, in in the league this year. I mean, it'll be close. He probably because Kamara, you know, loses uh, his anchor quarterback, so to speak. Um, And then just looking at some of those other guys, you know, we don't know how Saquon will come back. I'm still not convinced that Jonathan Taylor smashes this year. I think he'll be really good, but I don't think this is a year where he just, you know, shows he's the RB one or whatever. So there are some more question marks maybe amongst the top five than there would be in some years. So yes, I do think he finishes top five.
0: Yes, I mean, like I said, I think he's got another top five year in him this year. I think, you know, next year as well, uh, he could have another top five years as well. So now you're you're looking at two top five years back to back. He is 26, uh, but he did only have 81 and 133 carries in his first two years. Um, so he's pretty lightly used. Uh, he had 236 carries and then 201 the past two years. So yes, he's 26, but that's a light 26. Um, I think the biggest knock for me is AJ Dillon with this time split there. Uh, I don't know exactly what that split's going to look like. I feel pretty comfortable saying Jones is going to be more the dominant one. It's probably going to be 60 40, you know, maybe 65 35. But I don't know exactly because I do know it does seem like they like AJ Dillon a lot.
1: I have no idea what that share is going to look like. I could see him doing the same thing they did last year and not getting that many touches. I could see, I could see both sides of that just as equally because the Packers from an outsider's perspective, again, I follow the Packers to the extent that I play a shit ton of fantasy football. I watch the NFL every week. So I, you know, the Packers are like the late game every week. So I, you know, I watch a good amount of their games, but I'm not a hardcore fan. So if somebody out there is, Correct me if I'm wrong. Seriously. They, the past couple of years, I just have no idea, idea if they have any sort of cohesive, you know, plan in place at all for anything, <laughs> at any position ever, anywhere for any year. I honestly <laughs> at, have no idea.
0: So, so any reason at any
1: no. time, <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on the reference. Yeah. So I, I really don't know. They, I, I just don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they want to win while Rogers is there, if they're trying to prep more for the future, if they want to you know bulk up their offense if they're trying to get a little more dependent on the defense
0: i really don't know
1: i just i don't
0: don't know yeah that's that that is, i will say that is a little bit of a concern there as well so if this and i i did my rankings assuming ppr assuming half ppr he may get like he may drop like a spot or two um just because a lot of his value is tied into his receiving work um you know he, he routinely last year um you know, he had 63 targets on the year, uh, with missing two games. So you're looking at like 15 weeks. Um, I can't do that. I'm not that great at math. But you're looking at probably like three to four targets a game. Um, you know, so he's also looking at you know three receptions or so a game. Is looking at you know a, a, a good amount of receiving work there. Um, only two receiving touchdowns as well, which is something that you think is going to bounce back a little bit probably. Um, but you know, like I said, half PPR may drop a spot, but with PPR, I, I just feel very comfortable with him as my RB one, locked and loaded. So that's why he's—I I think he's deserving of a top ten ranking.
1: Fine, I'll move him just for you. <laughs> hey,
0: you don't. Hey, you don't have to move him. Um,
1: I I won't. And like I said, I I did bump him up a spot, I believe, from last time, or a spot or two.
0: I think you bumped him um, up too. I think you had him at nineteen.
1: But like, I think I would rather. That's the thing, like I said, these rankings, you know, you cannot include the nuance of I am a win now roster or I am a rebuild roster. It seems like most of my C2Cs at the moment are well, no, I'm kind I kind of am one way or the other. My dynasty rosters are all in rebuild mode right now. But my C2Cs are kind of except for the one that we're in.
0: Yeah. I was gonna
1: say freaking Anthony Ferkser.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say I thought that uh in that league i thought you considered yourself a contender like i mean you have russ and mahomes as your quarterbacks like how can you not be a contender with those two
1: yeah i, I don't i don't think it would be possible
0: to tank at all with those guys yeah and then the rest of your roster is also really solid i mean evan's team's really good in that one too evan's team's going to be tough to beat um at least this year um,
1: but yeah so like C2Cs, like i can see two c's like i i would rather have aaron jones probably but in, in in most of my dynasty leagues i'll take a gibson or I even take CEH. I think he's going to have some sneaky good years ahead of him here. CEH? Yeah, I don't even love CEH by any stretch of the imagination. But I think people um, – Alfred has him at 19. You have, have him, him at, at eight- 18. You have him at 18. That's way too low.
0: I don't get that. It's more just there's other guys that I like more. Um, I do have Travis Etienne ahead of him. I may flip those two. they They're Travis Etienne's 17. Uh, Edwards, a is 18, so I may flip those two, but you know, the other guys that I have ahead of him, um, you know, Najee Harris, it'll depend, it'll depend a little bit where he goes. Cause it's 16 Zeke. I have at 15 just cause I think he's going to smash this year. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's done. Um, I think he's going to have a big year here too. And then I got James Robinson, Nick Chubb, um, Gibson Henry. So, you know, there's a lot of guys above him there that are a little bit older, but like you said, you can't really work in the nuances of, you know, where your team is at and team construction. So just in a vacuum, I tend, if my, if we're talking about it in a vacuum, I tend to lean more towards one year. How, or one to two years, how is this going to work? Um, and there's just guys that are like more than, than Edwards DeLair in, in like a one to two year window.
1: That's fair. That's a little, I mean, that's a little shorter. It's a little I narrow. Rankings. Yeah,
0: yeah. It is a little narrower. Um, you know, I, I don't think you can look beyond two to three years. I think that's like the window that you typically need to stay in. But like I said, in a vacuum, I tend to bump it up a little bit.
1: I think that's fair. And that's, I mean, I, I like that we're looking behind the curtain a little bit with our processes. So yeah that I can destroy
0: you and all the leagues we're in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that only, that only really applies to startups essentially because I have, a league, else... I have a new league.
1: Do you want to join it with me? Which league is that one? I don't know. I just want to destroy you. Oh, well, we are going to be starting one up. We are. we are as soon as fan tracks opens up. I'm not going to lie. The closer we get to the season, the more that I'm just thinking that as long as I don't have to commission a bunch of them, I'm going to join like 10 C2Cs. So anybody out there listening that has a C2C <laughs> that they want me to join, um, hit me up.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of lean that way too. Like I want to, I want to join more C2Cs. I, I'm already going to be in at least three startups this year. So that's where I hesitate a little bit. Um, just because I know I'm going to pick some up in future years as well. So I don't want to add too many at one time. But yeah,
1: no, that's fair. I, I don't know. I just, I I have this itch to draft a bunch of college drafts that these mocks can only get me so far. Yeah, it's like a nicotine patch. I need to slap like twelve of them on me now. Like (laughs) I need to be doing like (laughs) twelve mocks
0: at a time. I'm just struggling. Um, Well, sorry. Let's move into the uh, the wide receivers here. Um, And this is one where this is a position where we do have a little bit more disparity in some of these. So these are going to be some of these are going to be interesting. Uh, We'll start with our our one that's the closest window here. Uh, and that is DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I have DeAndre Hopkins as my wide receiver 5, and you have him as your wide receiver 12. Um, so I'll just I'll kick it to you to start. Why do you have him outside of your top 10? We'll start with that one.
1: It's a young man's game, man. It's a young man's game. I do. I would rather get out of a wide receiver earlier than later. It's just, I mean, again, we can't capture all the nuance of what we're trying to do because like we have this, we have a C2C league that we're in together where I have Hopkins Evans and just the nature of my roster. I'm going to ride that shit into the sunset because I don't want to retool this roster at the moment. I have CMC, Aaron Rodgers. like it's, it's very much a win now roster. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm holding Hopkins there, but if somebody offered me, D.J. Moore for him or C.D. Lamb, like I, I would take it. You know, I I just think Hopkins is is more predictable now. I, I, it's just a young man's game. I look at some of these guys that I have ahead of him. I have D.J. Moore at eleven, Ridley ten, Godwin at eight, Metcalf seven, Lamb six. These guys are all guys that are a couple years younger than him that are tied to strong offenses more or less. D.J. Moore really being the only exception there as a guy that isn't tied to a quarterback that I love. And even then, you know, maybe the Panthers resuscitate. Uh, him uh, um what can i remember his name what is up with me tonight darnold yes i can't, I can't um, jordan darnold i can't remember shit tonight <laughs> um all these guys are just tied to quarterback or to into, into offenses and are younger than him so you know they check both those boxes that, that's the reason why but i still like him more than a lot of other guys that are in his age group elsewhere like i have him above amari cooper Allen Robinson um Keenan Allen like those guys that I all kind of think of as his contemporaries so to speak and I would rather have
0: him than than all of those guys so I mean you you have him behind Michael Thomas and Stefan Diggs who are 27 mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. 28 mm-hmm. yes <laughs> okay all right fair I just just want to point out that the, how, the what A- was
1: Hopkins finish in 0.5 PPR last year I'm gonna pull this up
0: right now um Hopkins uh, see, I see I had all mine off of PPR but he was the wide receiver four in PPR last year. He was the wide receiver five the year before that, the wide receiver one the year before that, and the wide receiver two the year before that. So in the past four years, he has not finished outside the top five yeah. in PPR. So that's why I have him as my fifth ranked wide receiver, just because that level of consistency is really hard to get. I think he has a game as well that's going to age pretty well. I think you know he's the type of guy who's going to – you know, kind of Julio Jones it where, you know, you're looking at 31, 32, and he can still be very productive. So I think he ha- he's in his prime right now still, I think, and was producing top five wide receivers the year, four years before that. Um, so I just think that level of consistency is, uh, that level of high level consistency is is really valuable to me. And like I said, I do look a little bit narrower when I do rankings in a vacuum. So, you know, that's why I have him at five. I wouldn't fault anybody for taking Godwin uh, over him because Godwin is younger. He's four years younger. I like him a lot there. Um, Metcalf, I wouldn't fault anybody for taking him over again with the age thing. But I don't think I have Metcalf far enough away that I, I would have a little bit of a problem with it. But I can understand the argument for that. Um, but like I said, with Thomas and Diggs, I mean they're this—they're a year younger than him, and I just feel a lot better about DeAndre Hopkins' consistency, his situation with Kyler Murray, um, to rank those guys ahead of him. Like I couldn't do it.
1: All right, listening audience, this <laughs> is going to be the first time that this has ever happened on this show. uh Oh, and it'll be the first time that it, it'll be the only time it happens for a long time, probably. Uh-oh. So. I feel like I need some sort of a sound effect for this. Maybe I'll mix something together later and okay. put this out there. I'm excited. I think you've convinced me. I think you've convinced me. Oof. I think maybe I'm too low. I think Oof. maybe I'm too low. After you presented presented this argument to me, it's making me rethink. You know, at least the the thing is that when I look at the list and I'm like, well, which of these guys? Like, I'm now I'm trying to split hairs, but I uh, can yeah, probably put him over DJ Moore. Maybe maybe over a Ridley cuz we might have just seen Ridley's best season. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I might bump him a couple spots after this. I'll have to sit down and and rethink my ranking. So so yes.
0: Yes. Wow. Um, one point for moment, Colin. Big moment for me here. Um I'd really like to thank everybody who believed in me along the way. Um you know, I'd like to thank you know, my mom for constant support. You know, she's uh she's she's a real shoulder to cry on when when Austin beats me in most arguments. Um she always tells me he's very mean. Uh, she calls she, me
1: before the show and asks me to take it easy on you.
0: I, I every, don't doubt that at all. Every time. I don't doubt that at all. Lisa's a wonderful woman. She is. always, always looks out for, for, for me. Uh, always has. So, so thank you, mom. Really appreciate that. Um, I also got to thank, um, you know, Matt Bruning and, and Felix Sharp for, for showing me a little bit of the the ins and outs of debating with Austin. You know, I, I break out my notebook all the time for Debbie debate and, you know, figure out how I can beat him in arguments and, Finally got, one. Finally well, I'm got un- one. I'm
1: still undefeated on Debbie debate.
0: That's so that's a good one.
1: Yeah. I'm 198. Nothing. I've been keeping a tally. I just have a wall <laughs> here and I just scratch my win into it every time. I can't, I can't show you the wall. It's over here. But
0: yeah. How many, how many wins does Bajan count for on that one?
1: Oh, every time we talk about him now on the show, that counts as a win for me because okay. of, I, because I, I established that so early you did. I've got, you, you got to plant the flag early.
0: You do. Uh, well, speaking of a guy you planted your flag on here, uh, we'll move into Tyler Boyd and Tyler Boyd is one of your personal favorites. I, I do know that. And I like Tyler Boyd. I really do. Um, I have him as my wide receiver 27 though. Um, so I am a little bit, a little bit lower, um, on him than you are. You know, you have him as your wide receiver 15. Um, so I said, I'll give, I'll give you the floor here and, and talk about one of your favorite guys.
1: So here, here are some of the things I like about Tyler Boyd a lot, besides the fact that he went to pit. Um, and I was actually high on him coming out. I'm not actually usually that high on a lot of the pit guys when they come out. Um, McCoy and Pitt and Boyd are really the only two in recent memory that I can remember on the
0: offensive side of the ball being like super psyched to, to enter yeah, the NFL. I can, and I can confirm that you're. You you like your teams for sure, but you are definitely a harsher critic.
1: Well, Pitt uh, isn't very players. good either, so it's not like you know <laughs> we're churning these guys out, and I'm just like uh, yeah, that's, that's fair. You know, it, it's a rare occurrence. But so Boyd is just super consistent. He's 26 years old. He's versatile. He can play basically all uh, all three wide receiver positions if he has to. He'll never play the X with with Wiggins there, which is fine with me because I think he's better as a slot guy anyway. His finishes over the past few years in PPR, you know, 16, 18, and then 20 and 29 last year. But that was he was on pace to be, I think, 17 or 18 again before Joe Burrow went down with the injury. And then his stats, everybody else's stats just totally went down the toilet those couple of weeks um, once Burrow was gone. He's just you can lock him in for 110 to 120 targets, more or less. That's his range probably every year between 850 and 1,100 yards and probably five to seven touchdowns. And you can get him ridiculously late in drafts. And for basically, you know, people don't value him in that range when you're looking to acquire him places. They'd rather draft this shiny new thing than have Tyler Boyd. So all of those things put together – he i think he's young enough where he's not necessarily a win now piece but if i'm a team that needs to win now i would love him as like my wide receiver three on a roster and i'm i have him in almost every single one of my leagues because he's just mr consistent you know maybe he's never going to put up that many 35 point weeks but that's not what i have him on my rosters for and i think i have him appropriately ranked where none of those other guys i'm necessarily banking on getting a 30 a 30 piece out of them a couple times a year either. So I just, I just value his consistency so much. And I think he's better than T Higgins. I have him ranked above T Higgins. I think he's a better player. I it's, T, Higgins did really well last year and I liked Higgins coming out, but I need to see Higgins do it another year before I am willing to to say that I'd like him more than Boyd.
0: No, I, you make a lot of good points there. Um, I will say the only thing I have him ranked twenty seven. Um, you know, and I, his wide receiver 29 in in PPR last year, that finish, um, like you said, you know, there's, there's definitely an asterisk with that one because that whole offense kind of took a dump after burrow went down. Um, but I, uh, you know, the year before that, um, he was the wide receiver 18. I just, I don't know how you can rank him above those finishes when he's never actually finished as the wide receiver 15.
1: Oh, hasn't he? Not that.
0: (laughs) When when did he finish his last year? 15. He never did. He never Ah, did. Okay. I'm just giving you a hard time. Okay. I would one argument and now you're in my head.
1: (laughs) Ha ha. That that was the (laughs) real plan. I told you that you won one and now you're crumbling (laughs) before me. I do think I probably, I probably need to draw. I'm probably going to raise Jamar chase up a bunch of spots in my ranking. So I think that is going to bump him down a Mm -hmm. space here. Um, but like, I don't know that I like Terry McLaurin's situation any better than Boyd's. Even if I think McLaurin's probably a slightly better player, I kind of feel the same way. But I mean, Keenan Allen—I'm not—he's sh- a comparable player in a comparable situation. And after that, you know, you have your Juju's, your Suttons, your your Waddles, your Evans. Like, I none of those guys scream like absolute stud in an amazing situation. That is also 26 years old, you know, tied to a young quarterback for the foreseeable future, locked in with four more years on his contract. There's just a lot of different reasons where I, I think that I feel comfortable projecting him to continue on his wide receiver 18 pace for another three or four years. And that's I love that on my roster. I guess he doesn't have the upside. That's that's fine. Once you get out of the top few guys, I really, truly believe that none of those guys really have that upside, you know, beyond a few games here and there.
0: Yeah, I, I will say I should probably move more and Bateman down a, a little bit. Um I have them twenty-one and twenty-two. So and if you know push came to shove, I might rather Boyd, depending on the situation. But I think overall, you know, I have Evans ahead of him. I think Evans, you know, he's twenty seven, so he's only a year older than Boyd, but you know, his quarterback situation's a little bit more unstable, but I think Evans is going to have a, a bigger year this year than Boyd. Um, you know, and then I have Robert Woods ahead of him too, um, who, you know, all, he's 28, so he's two years older than him. But I like Robert Woods a lot this year with with Matt Stafford. I think Robert Woods is going to have a really nice year with Stafford there, so that's probably going to be two years of, like, really solid production, like back-end wide receiver one production. So that is what I don't think I'm going to move Boyd ahead of Woods
1: yeah I do think I I agree I think I do think Boyd is going to smash this year I really really do I think that whole offense I, I dropped that hammer last time didn't yeah. that I think Stafford is, has potentially be a top five guy this year yeah. and that's really I don't even think that's that bold no I just don't hear anybody talking about it but it wouldn't shock me if, if as, as the offseason rolls on here we kind of get used to the fact that Stafford actually has stuff around him it's like, you know, I, the Ricky Bobby doesn't know what to do with his hands. So he's, he's, he doesn't know what to do with all these weapons that he's got now. An and, you know, he had like one guy. He had Calvin Johnson for a few years. And that was pretty much it. So yeah. I think he's really, really going to like um, the being there with a couple of competent, more than competent wide yeah. receivers, a good running back, a solid tight end. I, I just think the end and with McVay, um, you know, whispering in his ear. I think that that all sets up for him to just totally smash. So I, I don't – I mean, for this year, yeah, I'd probably say Bobby Woods has a better year than he does this year. Does he have four more year, Four more of those years in him? I don't probably know. Not. I actually don't know what his contract even looks like there. So I know they just retold it recently, but I don't know how much of an extension it was. I really don't know.
0: Well, I'm not quite sure either. But um, The the last thing I'll just say on Boyd, I didn't actually – I didn't realize he was 6'2". Yeah, he's big. He's yeah, that – Ronnie lanky, yeah. receiver that I just love. Yeah. I thought for some reason, I just thought he was like six foot. Like, I knew he wasn't tiny. It, like, it was weird he was because like, I knew he was like a little bit yeah. bigger of a build, but I didn't, it would, yeah, I didn't realize it would line him up
1: like running back and stuff all the time. Yeah, and you would think that he would be like 5'9, 195 because of that. But yeah, he's like he's, he's over six feet and he's over 200 yeah. pounds and he's he, yeah. he can he can do a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah, it looks so. It looks like I just looked up um, Robert Woods' cap stuff here. So after this year, there's an out, and then his his hit goes like way way up. So he we might not even be talking about Robert Woods in LA after mm. this year, or they're gonna have to do something about the contract. His his cap hit after this year is like sixteen mil, eighteen mil, twenty mil. Yeah, that's I like I like Bobby Woods. I don't I, see that. I wouldn't take a twenty million dollar cap hit for the guy.
0: No, that's that's a good point too. See, that's not something that I I should have looked into the contract situation more. But just that's the thing. Like, there's so many different factors that you don't always think to look into all of those different little factors, like the little nuances to it. Like, I liked Bobby Wood. I knew he was on a longer contract. I didn't know that he had an out after next year and that his cap hit raised significantly. So that could play a role. At the same time, they could restructure it and lower that cap hit a little bit. You know, they they can work some cap magic if they want to keep him. So there's just a lot of things that like, we're not really privy to as outsiders that like, we'll never know until it happens. Yeah. Um, So uh, last, last wide receiver here that we, uh, we have ranked fairly differently. That's uh, Odell Beckham jr. Um, I have him as my wide receiver 33, uh, which when you think about Odell Beckham jr. Like wide receiver 33 just feels too low, but At the same time, like I'm looking at people around him, and I'm like, I wouldn't take him over anybody that I have ahead of him. Uh, I have Devonta Smith ranked right behind him, and Amon Ross St. Brown ranked right behind him. Uh, Chase Claypool right there as well. Um, Cooper Cup, which we just talked a little bit about Bobby Woods. I'm a little bit concerned about Cooper Cup with Stafford, um, because I think Bobby Woods fits his... Fits what Stafford does better than Cooper Cup, and I think Cooper Cup benefited from golf not really being able to throw downfield a ton, and he needed a safety blanket. So I think Cooper Cup is a guy that I'm not really sure about. So, but so I would probably I would still rather probably Beckham than Cup, although it's it's close. But you know Smith, Brown, Saint Brown, those guys will kind of depend a little bit where they end up. Um, so I could see Beckham falling like two or maybe three spots tops, but you know, I still just, it feels too low for, for a guy with that kind of history. And you know, he is, he's 28, so he's not old, but you have him at 42. Um, You are the lowest on him by a pretty good bit. Um, Bruning has him at 35, which is just behind me. But then, then you're the next, uh, or he's the Bruning's the next closest person to you it's just
1: the case of those guys of basically everybody from 32 33 to 45 i could rank in any i could just put all those names in a hat and draw them all out and probably be happy and it's totally a roster a roster construction uh, a scenario at that point where you just mix and match based on what you're trying to do over the next year or two um the things that I do think limit him a little more and why I have him lower than a couple of guys, you know, the injuries over the past couple of years, they're starting to add up. He's in an offense that does not provide that much pass volume. Now, when Stefanski was in Minnesota, they show the offense can support a wide receiver or two, you know, they, because they, they do really focus on getting the ball to those two guys. But the upside that he once possessed, in my opinion, is really not there. Him and Baker haven't always been on the same page. Now they haven't gotten to spend a consistent amount of time together. A long stretches of time where they've both been healthy and the offense has been the same. So I, that's probably a little overblown compared to where some people might rank that in the order of things. And then you just look at some of these other guys that I have around them, and you know you have like a, a Michael Gallup, who at worst is out of Dallas. You know at, he's connected to Dallas for a year. He's shown he can pr- produce there in that offense. And then either he stays, and that's great, he stays in the Dallas offense, or he goes somewhere else where he can be the wide receiver too and hopefully is a team that actually has a quarterback. You know, you look at a – I have Chase Claypool in that range and Adam Thielen where if I'm trying to win now, I feel more comfortable taking Adam Thielen for a year or two than I do Odell Beckham. Uh, same probably with a Tyler Lockett or a Cooper Cup. And then you're getting into upside guys where maybe I think long term I'd rather have a Devonta Smith or a Brandon Ayuk or a Devo Samuel. So he just like, it's totally a roster, um, you know, construction question. But if you are trying to put him into these buckets, you know, win now I don't think he's the best guy in this range upside probably doesn't have the highest upside in this range. You just kind of go down the list. And I, that's why he's a little lower for me than a bunch of them. But at the same time, if you told me that he was going to finish half of that in terms of his yearly finish this year, that wouldn't shock me at all. It it really, really wouldn't. If he finishes wide receiver 21, um, that, that I I wouldn't think that, that, that you were a crazy person and that, you know, you were lying about coming from the future. So, um, (laughs) I mean, I, I, I like Odell Beckham, you know, I'm not totally fading him. I just, there, there's a lot of other players in that range and it just comes down to what you want out of that pick. Once you start getting to round eight or whatever you're, you're starting to think about taking him.
0: Yeah, no, he, that's, that's a good point there. Like there's a lot of higher up high upside, younger guys there as well. But you know, you said you wouldn't be surprised if Beckham finishes wide receiver 2021, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, finishes the year wide receiver fifteen. You know, uh, that's I think, probably his ceiling, in my opinion. I can't see him pushing that much higher than that. But yes, um, yeah. I mean, I think. Well, I think the offense in Cleveland limits him a little bit there as well. But um, you know, I, like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes wide receiver fifteen. It's just like I said, when you have a guy, when you have a guy like that, um, you know, with that kind of with with that kind of history it just feels criminal ranking him that low almost but it's hard to rank him ahead higher than that so so i i definitely understand what you're saying there too and like you said like the guys from like wide receiver 31 32 all the way down to you know wide receiver 45 46 it's just like a big cluster of guys there and you could really go any way with that and i really wouldn't fault you for it
1: because the guys I have after him are like Chenault, Terrace Marshall, Deami Brown, Elijah Moore. There's like a big rookie clump there. Yeah, and I could see some people, and possibly depending again on my roster construction, the two hundred two sitting there. I have Odell, and I would maybe depending on what my team looks like, I'd rather have Terrace Marshall. I have Terrace Marshall sitting there. I, I flip him for that pick, and I take Terrace Marshall. There, there's a lot of different things that go into which of these
0: guys I prefer. That's fair. Um, so there was really only one tight end there that we had any sort of difference rankings on. And we don't really care that much about tight ends. You know, they it's a tight end that's outside of our top uh ten for both of us. It's Robert Tunyon. I have him at eleven, you have him at seventeen. Uh seventeen feels a little bit low just given that he's in the uh Green Bay offense, but I don't really fault you that much for putting him, you know, fifteen or so. So You know, I don't really think that we need to go into too much of a discussion there at tight end, uh, unless you're feeling particularly uh, feisty and you wanted to debate. One year contract—that's
1: the reason. And I'm not so convinced. I, I, I think this is the year they draft somebody at wide receiver, and I just think that makes (laughs) his share, his target share, decreases a little bit. And I just—he's one of those guys that we just saw his best career year. Like, let's be completely honest with ourselves. We we just saw Robert Tunyon's best career year. That's not a bad thing. I'm just if you, if you're buying Robert Tunyon now anywhere, you're buying him at his peak value. At the same time, after this year, he very well may be worthless. So, things to consider.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair as well. Uh, which that that was a nugget that you dropped pre-show last time too, when it was just you and I talking, and when you had said something about Aaron Jones's contract as well. So. And I think if they do draft somebody, you know, he's a candidate to drop for me. So I don't think we need to go into too crazy a discussion there.
1: And they drafted uh, a tight end last year, two people.
0: We all I forget mean, they took loose, Josiah
1: DeGuara. Loosely a tight end. He's more like an H-back. I mean, regardless, they've got a replacement on the roster. You know, True. They got a lot of replacements on the rosters. <laughs> None of them are playing, but they're all there. So I just, you know, they, they have invested something in a guy that could take his spot eventually. It's because they're tight against the cap every year. They're just one of those teams. Yeah. You're you're trying to win. You got an aging quarterback. You're gonna press up against it every year. So. Um,
0: all right. Well, we'll move into the to the last thing here, and this is our rookie profile segment. Um, I think with the draft being in two weeks, uh, and us not having a show in uh, in two weeks, and then we we do have something special lined up for. For next week, we have a we have a guest lined up here that we're going to have hop on. We're going to talk a, a lot of rookies here too. So I think this is going to be our our final rookie profile of the year. Um, you know, maybe we touch on some guys over the summer that we like, but I think as far as profiles go, I think this is going to be the last one. So I wanted to wrap it up with a guy that you know a lot of people in the community like. Um, it's a it's a Jarek back is special. Um, you know, it's it's a, his, one of his favorites, and that is Elijah Moore, uh, five nine one seventy eight. So he's slot guy. He's a mighty mouse, but you know, man, is he fast? Four three two forty, which was you know that was from the uh, from a pro day. So you know, could probably probably a little low, but that's he. He his three cone time was a six six five, and that would have been the fastest at the combine since twenty eighteen. And that is what that is what you like about Elijah Moore. That's what I like a lot about Elijah Moore. He's so quick, He accelerates, decelerates very quickly, sharp cuts, you know, and that all shows up on tape. Um, you know, and then also you you pair that with a 36 inch vert. Um, you know he has a, a 98th percentile agility score and player profile, a 91st percentile dominator rating. Uh, and they have his best comparable as Tyler Lockett. And I actually, I like that actually. Um, I think that that is probably a pretty good overall like statistical comp for him. Um, Games, games are fairly similar. Their their style of games fairly similar there. But um, I think I could, I could definitely see Elijah Moore having a Tyler Lockett type career uh, where, you know, he gets into a good situation with a good quarterback, has two really nice years then obviously they bring in somebody who's more of an alpha and Tyler Lockett settles into a really nice wide receiver too. And all right, Elijah Moore settles into a really nice wide receiver too, like Tyler Lockett did. So I think that's a good career path for him. Um, but like I mentioned, you know, he's got that, you know, a, a quick, uh, you know, very quick accelerates, decelerates. Well, there's it shows up on tape. He's also got quick release moves. Um, he has a few solid release moves. He gets off the line very quickly. Gets on top of corners as well. He uses that speed well, so it's not just track speed; it's game speed as well. Um, and he's very versatile as well. Old Miss uses him, you know, in a variety of different ways. They use him in handoffs. You know, they bring him off the edge on jet sweeps. They get him on the move constantly. They just wanted the ball in his hands. Um, so I think that that bodes that versatility bodes pretty well for the next level as well, especially if he gets somebody who's a creative offensive coordinator. Uh, but he isn't just a gadget guy. You know, he does have very strong hands. Um, you know, he has a sub 2% drop rate last year. Um, two drops on 101 targets. Now that's that's really, really good. Um, so, you know, like I see, snatches the ball away from his frame very well. Go, very good concentration, uh, which is not a, something you always see from a, a guy who's kind of like a yak guy, like, like Elijah Moore can be. You know, so he always looks the ball in before running, before turning it upfield. Uh, but he still gets good chunks of yards on the field. He doesn't sacrifice, you know, any, y- he doesn't leave yards on the field because he's too focused on bringing the ball or anything like that. And I think that's a little bit of a testament, like I said, to his acceleration that he has there too. You know, he can go from looking the ball in, making sure he has it and then he can, you know, jet upfield immediately. Uh, then my only concern with Elijah Moore there is his, he's basically strictly a snap or a, a slot guy. Um, His snap percentage last year, 79.8% in the slot. And the year before that, it was 98%. So that's pretty much his defined role, which is not as big of a deal because teams are going with more three wide receiver sets nowadays, but it is a little bit limiting. If they go into two wide receiver sets, I don't see him being on the field. So I think that caps his ceiling a little bit. But overall, Elijah Moore is a guy that I do like a lot. Um, I have him as my overall wide receiver 44. Um, so, you know, that's, I think that's a pretty good range for him there. You know, I could see him depending on the situation he goes to, I could see him rising a little bit. Um, but as far as rookie rankings go, I have him as my, uh, as the overall number 18 rookie. Uh, but he's a guy that I would feel very comfortable, you know, depending on the, uh, Depending on league settings, you know, because I'm assuming kind of like more of a TE premium and super flex, um, you know, I could see him jumping ahead of Pat Fryermuth, Mac Jones there for me too. Maybe even Terrace Marshall, depending on landing spot there. So I could see him jumping all the way up to 15. And now you're looking at him in the early half of the second. Um, you could take him, you know, two, 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 three, two, four, and I wouldn't fault you for that at all. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's definitely a guy that like I said, it's been getting kind of buzzy a little bit now. So I wanted to talk about him here as the finale for the rookie profile.
1: I have a bunch of leaks where I have <clears throat> like those early seconds and I'll probably just rotate who I take in some of those spots. I'll, sometimes I'll take Terrace Marshall. Sometimes I'll take him. Sometimes I'll take Amon Ross St. Brown, who I'm going to talk about here in a minute. It's just a pool of players where I'll just, I'll just take a couple of them here, a couple of them. They're kind of like I did last year with the, you know, T Higgins, Brandon A. Uke, Um, who else was in that tier last year? There was somebody else that I was taking, but regardless, it was just this tier of player that, you know, you, you took, just kind of spread out your, your whatever, and hope that a couple of them hit and then you're happy. Uh, I, I think his ceiling is a wide receiver too. That's not a bad ceiling. I agree with you. You know, wide receiver 44. I have him in that range. I think that seems fair for, just looking at like we just talked about some of the guys that we have in that range. You know, we have Odell in that range. It's 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 a tough tough life out there for a wide receiver right now in the NFL in terms of there's people mock the thought there are like 25 wide receiver twos, but in reality there are 25 players that could finish as a wide receiver two next year, and probably a bunch more that won't finish so far off that you basically are getting the same production as a wide receiver two. Yeah. So at at the end of the day, you know, I think that's a very fair range for him to be in.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think you brought up a really good point. Like, you know, there's so many wide receiver twos, which just circle back on Hopkins. I think that's, you know, one of the things that I really like about him too, you know, because w- with that rate, you have to get guys who just separate and produce top, top tier numbers. And he does that every year, but we'll circle back to the rookies here now.
1: Yeah, cool. So, um, I, I chose, I'm Brown who, you know, like you were just saying is I, I have in that same tier as Elijah Moore and, Probably end up with a couple of those guys in different each of my different leagues. Um, I I love Amon Ra. I I've liked him for years. I know Jarek poo-poos him a little bit because he never hit a 30% weighted dominator. Um, which surprised me because I think that he's he's been a producer at USC for many, many for several years now. And has been the guy there the past two, really. I mean, I guess Pittman outproduced him, but um, two years ago, but I, I, he was pretty close to him in terms of just raw numbers. Um, so just my breakdown of him, you know, I break down wide receivers basically into four main categories, plus an other, when I'm grading, um, positives about them. Um, so route running, I, he's mostly a slot guy and with the offensive philosophy there at USC, I, I don't think that we were ever going to see him outside consistently for any length of time. But I do think that he can play outside as well, and so I do think he has that positional versatility, similar to how Justin Jefferson did last year, where I think people wanted to say that he was just a slot guy, and with the nature of the system at LSU, that is where he played a lot. But at the, as we saw this year, you know, the outside uh, was definitely a, a spot where he could thrive, and I think Amon-Ra can do that as well he is really he has really nice releases and and he's pretty shifty through route stems I, I like him a lot more than a lot of other guys in this class he's just a creative a nuanced route runner in that way and i think he is you know last in last year's class t higgins was my number one wide receiver at stacking and shedding corners he was ridiculously good at it now there is more to being a wide receiver and Higgins was not my wide receiver. One is similarly is similar to Ross St. Brown, who is not my wide receiver one in this year's class, but Ross St. Brown better than any wide receiver in this class stacks and sheds corners with absolute ease. Once he gets a corner on his hip, it's over goodbye. He's going to be wide open. He's going to catch the pass. And I think quarterbacks are going to really like that wherever he ends up landing in the NFL. He is really good on um, you know, one cut route concepts as well there, things like simple posts, out slants, et cetera. Um, just the nature of I think he's just so good at getting the corner on his hip in there and you know break you know fake outside break inside or vice versa. And I will say the one thing that I did notice about him, which is odd, you don't always see, is that I thought he was much better against man than Zone. I think he struggles a little bit against Zone coverage at times and I think he just absolutely destroys uh, man especially if he doesn't, if you don't get your hands on him right away, I think you're, you're mostly toast. Um, hands wise, no issues with his hands from the games that I watched. I think his catch radius is average. I include catch radius when I grade hands. And I think, you know, he's not, you're not throwing the ball for him to go up and get it really. He's not going to do a ton of different stuff in that way. Yak ability. So he is not that dynamic with the ball in his hands. I'm going to be completely honest because he is a little bit of a stiffer athlete, which I'm going to cover here in a second. Um, but he's just not super shifty once he gets the ball. Now he is fast and straight line, and he's not, you know, he's not just a robot that runs straight and as soon as somebody hits him, he goes down, but he's not gonna make a ton of guys miss an open field. And my when I wrote about his athleticism, I put he has a really odd athletic profile about him, but he's a good athlete. He's just kind of stiff. He's not that fluid. He has what I what I I coined this term myself just for Ross <laughs> St. Brown, so you're welcome, Mr. St. Brown. He has what I call technical athleticism, where it's like you took an alien and you showed him like this is how a human being is supposed to run, and they practice really hard at it and like can almost do it really fluidly, but not quite. It's really really weird, but it's not a down, It's not a bad thing. Like I think he, I, it's just a thing if you watch him. He has really, really weird athletic ability, um, you know, strength, straight line speed burst all good. Um, but a, like I said before, ability to make people miss is a question. Um, so I, and then just some cons on him. I put, he's not great on phone booth routes routes, those that require him to quickly change direction, dip hits, dip hips, etc. cetera. Um, at least not at a, a consistent level. He's not very creative on scramble drill plays or against zone coverage. He pretty much just runs his route and looks a little bit lost if the initial concept does not work for him. We haven't seen that much of him against press. Um, USC, by nature of playing him in the slot, kind of kept guys' hands off of him. So that does raise some questions about his ability in those scenarios. But at the end of the day, I think the other things make up for that. And where I have him ranked as my wide receiver six in the class you know, I think takes into account those things. So I think he can be good. I think he can be good early and I think he can go and be successful at any team per se, you know, any system. Um, but I think he would be better off starting his career in the slot, maybe for a year and kind of learn how to deal with some NFL corners before he gets pushed outside full time. If a team
0: sees fit. Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. Um, I know when we did our rookie uh superlatives um you know he was he was my guy that I picked as the next Jamar Jefferson. Um you know I think that Justin Jefferson. Yes, Justin next Justin Jefferson. My apologies. Um the the next Justin Jefferson. Um I you know cuz I think that I think you're right. I think that he would benefit from being in the slot. Uh, but I think he can play outside. I think he play inside-outside. I think he can have an immediate impact. And I think he's a guy like Justin Jefferson from last year where there were definitely people who liked Justin Jefferson, but he fell a little bit under the radar. Um, I think Amon Raz, St. Brown's going even a little bit further under the radar. Um, I haven't seen any rookie mock ADP uh, just because I wasn't really anything that I was like focused on right now. Uh, With everything else that we have going on C2C wise, you know, that's been a pretty heavy focus for me. So I haven't really paid that close of attention to rookie mock drafts, but I would imagine he's probably going early second, mid second. I he's
1: even going later than that. I've done a couple mocks so far this year and he's going like mid mid second. And that's, you know, if you think mid second of like 204 to 208, it's closer to 208 than
0: the 204 side from what I've seen. See that. see, See, I love that. Uh, cause I, I like Amon Ross St. Brown, um, a lot, you know, I, I would definitely feel comfortable taking him in that range. I have him as my wide receiver six. I have him right behind Devonta Smith. Um, and then, like we said, you know, there's a lot of running backs on here that are just kind of meh after the top three. So, you know, I like Amon Ross St. Brown. If I can get him at, if I can get him at 204, I like that. If I can get him at 20, if he falls to like, you know, 206, 207, 208, that's a guy I'm trading up to go get.
1: No, I yeah, I would agree with that. Um,
0: I I would be happy to do that in that scenario. Um, and I know you said that um uh you know he kind of gets knocked a little bit because he never hit that 30% wide receiver uh or that 30% dominator rating threshold. Um but this past year, he was actually really close to the 30% on the weighted dominator rating. Um yeah. I I, I'm looking at Jarek's graph right now. I haven't pulled up on it. Um, I can't tell exactly what that would be, but that's probably like twenty eight percent. I didn't run the numbers myself. Um, but looking at that, it's probably about twenty eight percent on the way to dominator rating this year. Um, you know, but he was over twenty percent as a freshman. He's probably it looks like maybe twenty four percent as a freshman. So that's something else that you, you know you like to see that early production. So I think his analytical profile is fine.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not terrible, and I don't um, I don't necessarily subscribe to the. I know he really likes that thirty percent. He says that he mm-hmm. thinks that's more predictive if they hit that. Um, I, I'm a skeptic. Whatever. <laughs> so, um, I I don't necessarily factor that in quite as much. I if a guy finishes a bunch of years with twenty five percent, you know, or twenty seven, does the extra three percent really separate? I'm not really sure. I. I, I I don't think so, but I I don't have the numbers in front of me to back that up.
0: So. I think that's actually that would actually be a really interesting study. Um, you know, comparing guys who, you know, went from you know twenty percent to thirty percent in a year, compare them to guys who were just you know 27 percent for three years. Um, you know, and that kind of type of a consistency because like you said does like does that last three percent really matter? I I don't know. But intuitively, as somebody who's not really like a numbers guy, I wouldn't think it would matter that much if you're consistently hitting 25, 26, 27 percent, like you said, you know, for three years in a row, like I'm yeah, on Ross yeah. St. Brown kind of did. I mean, I work with
1: numbers for a living, but I don't have any sort of statistics background. So yeah, take that with it, with a grain of salt. Um, but I I you, uh, it's probably close, you know, and is it mm-hmm. so, you know, it, I, I don't think there would be enough of a difference for it to, to change how I feel about a guy, because I th- think a lot of that stuff, and this is the other the tangent that we can talk about at different times. That I think <laughs> a lot of that gets factored in when you're evaluating a guy, mm-hmm. you know, a smart evaluator doesn't sit down and watch a guy that only has done anything his senior year and go, damn, this guy's the best wide receiver I've ever watched. Caterius <laughs> Tony. Um, you Hakeem sit Butler. there and you go, Wow, this guy hasn't done shit before his senior year and now he's dominating. Maybe I should question, you know, maybe that dampens my evaluation of him. So I, I think that that should be a part of any film analysis that, that is happening too. A little bit of common sense, but mm-hmm. you no. Know,
0: yeah, no, I co- absolutely agree. Coexist. I need to get one of those bumper stickers. And yeah, there we go. There's, there's the next uh, C2C merch. It's a coexist sticker, but it's but the just, C is it, the C2CC, the C is the C2CC. And then we're the um, there, I feel like there's a triangle in the coexist thing that's going to be like the Pythagorean theorem for like numbers and you know, X's and O's. There's an X in there and an O, and yeah, we got it
1: perfect. We're,
0: we're going to run it by Bruning. Bruning will uh, Br- Bruning will get it.
1: He loves when we give him <laughs> ideas, but no guidance on how to
0: get to the end product. He really, really <laughs> likes that. <laughs> um all right so i think that's gonna do it for today's show uh we did our housekeeping at the beginning of the show this time um so the last thing i'll say here though is again just you know please rate review the show send us the uh you know send us a screenshot of it uh because we are going to be doing that drawing then on sunday so you got two days left there for that um but i think that's going to do it for us tonight uh as always i'm colin i'm austin And be on the lookout for our midweek companion show, uh, Campus Life, coming out on Sunday. And we'll uh, see you guys then.